This is the I Went Down to the River podcast. I'm Dan Walton, and I will sit down with fellow alums and talk about what it meant to be a part of the Hawken football program and wear the wings. We share stories of friendship, memorable games, funny moments, and how football made us who we are. You don't need to be on a bus for these tangs. Now let's go down to the river. Today's guest finds his name in the top 10 records on 15 different occasions. He was one of the most dynamic receivers and free safeties to ever wear the wings for the Hawks. He is number three in career receptions and first in career interceptions with 17. As a senior, he was elected captain and was awarded the old board after his 1990 senior season. He is number seven on the roster Please welcome Tony Twyman on this trip down to the river. Tony, what's up? How you doing? I'm happy to be going down to the river once again, baby. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, I appreciate you making a little time in your schedule for this. Uh, It is great to see you on the screen right now as we chat. And uh, I am looking forward to hearing your stories and your memories of your time within the Hawken football program and uh, what you've been up to since. So uh, let's get into it with the first question of your first or earliest Hawking football memory. Wow. Um, Just so you know, um, I appreciate you uh, staying on me the last few months so we could narrow some time down for this. And I've been eating some blueberries to try to get my memory to spark back up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I was number 12. I remember that as a a freshman. Coach Brandt allowed me to run around rampant, uh, run that wishbone or whatever we were into back in those days. Uh, and uh, it was just, I don't know, man, it was, it was just a lot of fun being part of my first bit of organized football outside of, uh, you know, some, some flag football. You know, that was my first time going at it and uh, seeing what it might lead to. I was more of a runner. Uh, you know, I like track middle school and, little basketball, but then uh, football came along and developed some skills there. And uh, we had a nice little freshman season, which led into a little development uh, and a little bit of notice to do some things at the end of the year, I'm sure you'll mention. So you came in as kind of a a quarterback, right? Slotted at quarterback and then transitioned to receiver down the road. But um you mentioned it was your first time playing organized tackle football. What was that like to start that up? Uh, I figured the best thing to do was to run for my life and, uh, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like there's two types of uh, success in football. Those that just love to crack skulls and those that are fast enough to get away from those guys. <laughs> I was trying to get around all that madness. <laughs> hey, sometimes running scared is uh, an effective way to do things, right? Sure. Yeah, I wasn't interested in drawing contact. I was trying to, I was trying to get to the sideline or <laughs> trying to get to the end zone, man. So let me let me see if I can score or run or or, or get down and get ready for the next play. Only <laughs> <laughs> no knee injuries. Yeah, right. That is exactly right. So you had mentioned that uh, you got noticed there at the end of that freshman year, and our freshmen always had the opportunity at the end of the varsity season. Uh, you know, there was a gap between when the freshman season ended and what while the uh, varsity season was still continuing. And so that 87 season, uh, which went on that magical playoff run, that postseason run, you were invited to join up with the varsity. 
Um, explain to us what that was like to go from this freshman season of, you know, small numbers and moving on to this varsity group that was uh, doing some really special things. Well, obviously, after our practice uh, every day as a freshman, you always looked over and either went and watched some of their, their practice or uh, you heard them practicing. So you knew what was going on and your juices were always flowing. Um, I had no clue that I was going to get a chance to actually put a uniform on with those guys. That felt like a whole nother world away for me. You know, you're talking 18 year old dudes and I was 14, I guess. That uh, age gap feels larger than that, doesn't it? They were 17, 18. I was, yeah. yeah like, okay, they, that's a whole nother ball game over there. You know, they were cracking. You heard them pads popping and I'm like, all right, well, you know, um, uh, then I got that, that invite. And, uh, I remember talking to my mom about it and, saying, you know, giving it a sh- give it a shot and uh, see what it leads to. I didn't know if it was going to be a week, you know, but it wound up being a magical run, like you said, to to the shoe and um, being down there in some snow and some freezing weather. It was a great experience just to observe. And I did a lot of that. I remember watching the way routes were being run. I remember watching uh, the guard. I forget his name. It seems, was it? Oh, I almost remember his name but he his he was about five eight whoever the guard was on that Rob or a different yeah, okay. it was Rizai, i believe i remember him coming to the sidelines and talking about what's going on out on the field so you saw the way that they were communicating with the coaches and with each other when they came to the sideline it was it was it was kind of downright professional you know it was uh it was very cool to see that so that let me know what we had to do as we got older. We, you got to communicate. You got to, you know, come off and see what you talk about, what you're seeing out there and uh, and make it better. So I kind of remember just observing footwork. I remember observing the way routes were being run, yeah. just, you know, just observing the game. Yeah, right. So. So as a yeah, as a young player moving to then the varsity program, you know, it's a different type of instruction. It's definitely there's a lot more involved with it, a lot more intricate and uh a lot more specific. And then you had the pleasure to be able to be in position group drills with just guys that knew how to just knew how to do things and were just probably the most perfect examples for how to run drills, how to compete and just, uh, man, talk about resources galore with Owen and Marcus and OJ and, on the yeah. defensive side, Will, Will and, I mean, man, there were some, there were some guys that as a young player, if you could look back and think of it back then, you're like, take my mental notes, look at everything, file this away. Cause th- these are some things that I want to make sure that in the next two or three years I'm doing as well. And, uh, just great examples, right? They really were. Um, it was, you know, they were silly. They were having fun. They were successful, and that to me was um, a nice combination to observe. And and then they were they were disciplined. They were serious at the same time. So to see all of that, to be around them and uh, just absorb it like a sponge. That's all I did. I mean, I I, I recall trying to be as quiet as possible. You know what you're going to say? You're a freshman. So just being quiet, using my eyes, and emulating what I saw. Um, I seen think, not heard, right? Isn't that yes. the key as a freshman seen, not heard? Like, Hey, yeah. I'm going to, if I, if I get some uh, scout routes at receiver or I'm playing scout free safety, like 
let's uh, let's do the best job I can, but no one should be looking my way because they hear my voice. <laughs> exactly. Let me do what I got to do. And if I'm in there, get back to the huddle, or get back to the line and uh, <laughs> do what I got to do. But I do recall, I don't know if it was the last, uh, it might have been the last regular season game. I would have to assume. I don't think it was in the playoffs. But I think I got in a game and almost had an interception as a freshman. Ooh. Yeah. That would nice. have to go back and look at that. But I, and, and then I think I should have gotten it because right after that, I came out of the game. And I didn't get back in to get another shot. So I, that was my one shot. I almost had a pick as a freshman in a, in a varsity game. That'd be a pretty big moment as a, as a freshman to uh, yeah. get a varsity interception. Yeah. So as that playoff run starts and we go um, – Petersburg, Springfield, Chagrin Falls, Archbold, Columbus Academy, that four-week stretch of the postseason. And you're on the sideline there watching uh, watching the guys out there. Any any sort of either specific moment memories or just as you look back on it, um, moments that you really appreciate and kind of stick out? Um, you know, I do recall – a couple of cool plays being made, I think in the game before the championship game to get us down to Columbus. Uh, if I recall, OJ might've actually, I think, um, was it Petersburg? One of those teams had a quarterback that was a big time thrower. Springfield's quarterback in the first round of the playoffs, their, their QB was uh, pretty well known coming into that game, yeah. The chagrin, and then the Chagrin Falls was the rematch of week one. And then the Archbold game was the 21-14. Uh, sort of we, we went out to a two-touchdown lead. They came back and tied it up. And then uh, Kickle in the offense, move it down the field. And we complete that touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter um, to secure our bid to Columbus the next week. As one of those... It was either the Springfield game or or the game that we clinched where uh, they threw a bomb. And I recall being on the sideline. I mean, the pass was pretty, and it was to the back of the end zone. And um, it was a couple seconds before anybody knew anything. But I recall specifically yelling on the sidelines, OJ's got it. OJ had picked the ball off. So I don't know if that was the Springfield game or the one that got us to the championship game. It might have been the championship game. So just, you know, again, just watching big plays being made um, and, and rooting for our boys. I mean, so I really don't have a specific memory other than it was cold. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was that was a cold year. But, uh, you know, it was it was it was a lot of fun just to watch those guys make great plays. And that's it. It just seemed like every week they were somebody was doing something special, you know, whether it was uh, uh, Hinkle or. Obviously, OJ, uh, you know, Marcus doing something crazy. Everybody did what they had to do. It was almost like it was a, it was almost like we was a, a, a mid-major in the Sweet 16. <laughs> you know, something like you just won three, four games and everybody did something. You, you never know who was going to be the gift for that moment because everybody put their fingerprints on it. It was, it was just, it was a team, it was a team effort that whole four or five weeks. Yeah, that no, that's definitely the case. I mean, OJ obviously gets the the bulk of the targets for the people watching, but there are so many other options on that team that we uh, we were able to utilize, and uh, I think a lot of those names that you 
you mentioned and probably some that we haven't um super capable super talented guys that uh were part of that success that we were running in 87 well that's why you could you know you could run a trap with uh, Hinkle. You could do some um, jet sweeps with Marcus because everybody was looking at, okay, where's OJ lined up? So they forget, man. OJ was talented. These other guys were talented as well. And don't forget about them. Don't sleep on them. That's what led us down to the uh, to the shoot. So it was a lot of fun to watch all of the talent. And it was fun to watch Coach make sure that everybody, everyone was involved too, you know. Yeah, I mean, everyone, hey, the beauty about this game of football, which is the greatest team sport, is you got to fit those puzzle pieces together. You can't just, I mean, you can get away with having the best athlete on the court or on the field in certain sports. It's not always the case in football. You got to have those pieces that come together, that practice the schemes and put the plays together. And then all 11 have a job on every given play. Yeah. And if they don't do it, doesn't matter how talented your most talented player is. Um, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah, definitely. Tony, what upperclassmen um, would you say had the greatest impact on you as a player and a person? Well, I tell you what, um, when I first visited Hawkins as an eighth grader coming up from the uh, inner city of Cleveland, just to see what it was like, I mean, I, it was a different world just driving 30 minutes to get out to that campus for me. Um, I saw things I never saw before. But so, of course, um, those visits when I was uh, in eighth grade coming there, obviously all the talk was about OJ because he had did something special the year before. Uh, so I was becoming aware of him when I was not even at that school. So when I got there as a freshman, I was looking for him to see what he was doing. Um, Marcus T wound up being a person who drove me to school every day. So, you know, his influence, I was next to him every single day going back and forth to school. And um, his influence was in many, on many different levels besides just being an athlete. And we're in touch. Marcus is somebody I talk to maybe these days, at least once a year, sometimes twice. Um, I, it's about time I give him a call, uh, matter of fact. He, he reaches out to me to say happy birthday by text message in November. You know, I'll do the same in December and we try to get a conversation or two. Um, obviously, it's been a little less lately. So I would say Marcus Teague, obviously, OJ, uh, me and OJ, we, you know, I, I love following his footsteps, trying to break his records. So um, it started there with those two for me. So let's let's take one more minute here and let's talk about that transition to uh, to the upper school. What was that like to uh, to start a new school going into high school? Well, we were um, in Cleveland when I was in sixth grade. Middle school was seventh, eighth, and ninth. Oh, okay. And the, the very year I started seventh grade, it was no longer junior high school. It became middle school, and it was only seventh and eighth. Right. So I didn't have to deal with the, the ninth graders beating up on me as a seventh grader. <laughs> but so that was a little that was kind of cool you know again I was a basketball guy track guy in the middle school at uh, Whitney Young then ninth grade came and uh start like I said taking that drive way out there to the country it felt like and 
it was, although I dealt with diversity in, in middle school, it was um, obviously, you know, I realized that I was in the minority quickly when I got there in more ways than one. So the books, I was not so much concerned with. It was just the, the trying to fit in, you know. And for me, the best way I found to fit in was through athletics and being around the guys and trying to have that common bond because, quite frankly, that's all we had in common. So it was difficult adjusting to that as a freshman. Um, my mom helped me through it. She told me I could do it. She, you know, she stayed on me. My mom really, really stayed on me early. There was never any, I don't want to go to school here. You know, it was none of that. It was like, how can I, am I, am I in the right spot? You know, as, as time went on, I felt like it was home, but it took a minute. The yeah, I was going to ask you, did that, was there sort of a time frame for when it started to feel Maybe a little bit easier adjustment. Okay, it was during the yeah, first year. It was year. literally freshman year. It was, um, and I remember coming home again to my mom, and it was somewhere in the middle of the football season. I was just kind of looking at all the fields and just looking out there, and I took a deep breath and I said, "Okay, this is where I'm supposed to be." And I remember going home to my mom, like, "This is this is my school," you know. And it was literally a moment out staring at all the soccer fields and just kind of looking around and. Feeling like, okay, if I wasn't supposed to be here, I wouldn't be standing here right here, right now. You know, um, I would, I would be at John Marshall. I would be wherever I was supposed, you know, John Adams, whatever school I was supposed to be at, I would have been there, but I was supposed to be at Hawking and I finally accepted that. So then it became all about integrating myself into the culture, the community, the athletic program and um, trying to shine and, and not being a disappointment. I, I feel like I had a lot on my shoulders. I had a lot of people to uh, not disappoint, including, you know, my mom was obviously number one in that department. I wanted to make sure I graduated from all. Right. Well, as we get to uh, the remainder of your high school, I think it's safe to say that uh, there's probably a lot of proud moments for, uh, for your family members. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Uh, as I look back, you know, my grandfather eventually, once Marcus left, my grandfather used to drive me out there. My mom would drive me out there before I got my car. And, you know, it was uh, it was a it was a I remember staying with my grandparents because it was easier for me to get to school. It was a family. It was it was a family effort. Man. It takes it a village, a, huh? Yeah, it took a whole village. It took a whole village. A lot of a uh, lot of appreciation, maybe after the fact. It was way how much goes in, right? Like when you're when you're a high schooler, you don't really appreciate everything everyone in your family's doing for you most of the time. But uh, when you realize kind of everything that went into it to make things possible and happen for you, it's like, man, blessed. You know, I was um, I'm going to take it off off of me for a moment. I was just recently checking out the third round draft pick for the Browns. And if you go and look at his uh, road to the pro story, Mr. Schwartz, mm -hmm. I felt a kinship with him. Okay, uh, He's from South Florida. Um, his mom worked at the school. It's a Hawking type of school down here that he graduated from. And she literally worked at that school so he could continue. To, so he could. Uh... Yeah. So he could attend it. Now, my mom didn't work at Hawking, but she did work nights 
And so my mom did what she had to do to get me through that. And, um, you know, a lot of people went back. To, I forget why I was trying to bring this point up. I got sidetracked here. But he, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Anthony Schwartz because I feel like, man, the sacrifice that it takes. I understand exactly what that 20 year old kid just went through with his mom and why he was crying the day he got drafted by the Browns. I understand that because she made those sacrifices for him as a teenager. My mom did the same thing. And ever since, like you said, after the fact, I've been, all right, what can I do this month to send my mom some nutrition products? So she's, you know, I don't see her much. I haven't seen her in two years now. Um, what can I do to make mom's life a little bit more comfortable at this point because of what she did for me way back then? So you talked about during that freshman season, um, feel, looking out on the fields and being like, this is home and having that sort of that moment of how, how am I fitting in now? How does my piece of the puzzle fit into the Hawkins school puzzle in the grand aspect? Um, well, you had some good upperclassmen on the team who did a good job of taking you under their wing. If we sort of skip ahead a little bit and put you into the lens of being a senior, is there a moment where you're able to do that and reach out to an underclassman and sort of pay it back to, uh, to one of those young kids on the team? And uh, I think you'd have to go and ask that sophomore class and freshman class under me that question. Uh, I just remember trying to lead by example um, and just be there for the other minority kids that came from the inner city. Um, you know, I was there for everybody as a captain, but I feel like, you know, I had a, a responsibility to make sure that I did what I was supposed to do and lead by example. So coach could uh, keep feet in the funnel, so to speak, of, of kids that look like me and came from where I came from. Um, so more opportunities would be given to other kids. And that was a big thing for me. It's just to, you know, have really good citizenship and uh, be respectful of everybody and to include everyone, whether it was PE, whether it was a female, um, whether it was a, you know, younger one, whatever it was, I always made sure to be a team player. And that went on and off the field. That was in a PE class that was in, you know, on the football practice field or in the lunchroom. So I just always tried to make sure that I was accessible and a team player and, and um, just kind of led by example. Yeah, that's awesome, Tony. Thank you. Um, we're going to do a uh, just a real quick look, sneak peek here at your uh, sophomore season, which was the 1988 season, one that was a 5-5 five and five, um, record. And I want to bring it up because it was a uh, – there were some firsts for you as far as varsity impact, that first varsity – offensive touchdown um you, you registered four interceptions on the defensive uh, back end as a free safety um anything you remember about that first touchdown uh being a 54 yard catch <laughs> actually i do um so i i was on a sideline and coach ran me in with the play and he, he literally wanted me to catch this ball. So I kind of had to get that message across to uh, Spacek. So I came in, I believe it was a, um, it was a, I don't know if we were in the run and shoot that play or a I right, but it was definitely a sprint pass right streak. Okay. I lined up as the left split in 
Arvin was on the right side. And I remember saying the play to Lenny. And then I said, throw it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you were a little giddy jogging that play in. Cause you're like, I was, cause I knew what we were supposed this to is do. coming I in know. for me. So let's yeah. go. I, yeah. The play was designed for me, but uh, I remember saying that you, yeah, if you ever see Arvin ask him about that, he, <laughs> I, I came in, I think it was like sprint past right street, but throw it to me. <laughs> and I was on the left side. And it worked. I would love to uh, I would love to have been in that huddle because here we have a senior uh, quarterback and a sophomore's trotting in with this play call. And not only is he not only is he coming into the huddle, but he's like, hey, this is the play. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't know, you're supposed to look my way. Hey, coach's orders, man. (laughs) Don't don't shoot the messenger. Hey, man, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, man. (laughs) So so we wrote. We run a streak for 54 yards. That's a yep. nice, that's a nice little uh, catch and run for your first uh, time finding the end zone. And Arvin was happy for me because I remember us laughing about it. It was either after the game or the next, whatever it was. He was, you know, that whole phrase that I said that that verbatim got repeated more than once. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was a that was a great time, man. I I felt good. I felt good about that. That's for sure. You know, wasn't a catch and run like Jerry Rice, but it was uh, it was nice. I got I got the touchdown. So first time in the end zone um, in a varsity game. How are we acting when we cross that goal line? Are we uh, finding the ref and tossing the ball to him? Are we acting like, hey, I'm cooler than this? I'm I've been here. I, I don't recall that part, but I would have to assume, knowing me, that I just kind of tossed the ball. I might have put my hands up. I don't know. Sure. I I might have my hands up because so we I, might. I didn't we, like it. I know we, that we I might get to we might get to a certain uh, celebration in uh, your senior season, week one, that uh, that will determine whether uh, we believe that or not. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so that sophomore year, um, finding varsity time as a receiver and a free safety, you're making your mark. Like I said, that was a five and five season. Was that was wait a second? Let me think back. Was that was um maybe that was Kickle who threw that ball? Um I think Kickle had graduated in 88, right? Oh man, I'm now I'm tripping on who even threw that ball to me. Let me see. Um 88 would have been kick, yeah. Yeah, so it was Kickle who threw that yeah. ball. Yeah, it was kick. Yep. Kickle because Lenny, I had three quarterbacks. Kickle that year, that's right? Lenny the next year, and then Trip. Trip, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it would have been it would have been Kickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that for a fact now. Now that you remind me that, so we move we we move to the junior year uh, review nineteen eighty nine season. This is a six and three game uh, season, and. Uh, a lot more opportunity for you on the field. Um, offensively, you record 44 receptions for 687 yards and find the end zone four times. And then the interceptions uh, are just a single one this year. So I only, have four, only have four touchdowns? Only four I have, yeah, down four, yeah. Great. So but, we'll, talk, we'll talk about senior year. That number goes up a couple. Yeah. Well, you know, what junior year really did for me was uh, it made me work hard that offseason. 
because I knew I had some skills. I knew I had some talent that could uh, could take me places. So I really honed in on trying to, you know, just drills. I remember going to a couple of football camps outside of Hawking. That was a great year. I mean, it was it was a uh, it was it was you know after we did the five and five, and I remember the last game after the uh, five and five season. Christie, John Christie, we were walking off the field and, and we were all somber. We lost that last game, but I remember him saying, "You guys have a lot of talent. Don't waste it." And he might have, he might have said that like three times. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and he he was that's obviously it stuck with me because um, I'm talking about it. Whatever this is, thirty years later, has it been that long? <laughs> more than thirty. What is this? Nineteen? What is, what yeah, is this, a couple more maybe. It's eighty-nine here. Years ago. Crazy. Time's flying, man. That's why I got to eat them blueberries. We all need blueberries in our life. That's for sure. Blueberries. We're going to keep revisiting that. Consume blueberries. That's right. Um, Organic, non-GMO. But yeah, I remember Christy saying, you know, you guys have some talent and don't waste it. And um, after that, I went to work. I went to work. And we had a nice rebound season with the six and three. And um, and that, that took us to the next level a little bit so we talk about that defensive secondary your junior year um damon moody would be in the backfield chris lacy would be in the backfield on that um i'm not sure who the fourth member um of that secondary would be but um impressions of of that defense whether it be your fellow secondary members or um any of the players in front you had len spacek in front but he unfortunately got hurt uh, that year uh, and missed a little bit of time. But guys like Mike Carrick and Dave Som, um, yes. Dan Moskowitz, names like that. The enthusiasm, the excitement, they all had it. Dave Som, you know, just a man. What could you say about him? I mean, he was all ball. What he a great a story. What a great story, Dave Som. Love that guy. Um, and, uh, you know, Carrick doing his part. Um, our defensive backfield, we were we were back there just trying to get picky. You know, that was that was what we were all about. You know, DeMond had put on a little weight, so he loved to lay the wood, you know. Um, and you know, me and Chris probably were more of the finesse guys back there, but we we did our job. You know, we were always where we were supposed to be. And of course, like I said, I, I picked a few off that year. Like you said, I picked a few off. Um just the again, the team. We were brothers, man. We all loved one another. We all had fun with one another. And uh, every single week it was, it was to win a ball game. We were, we were a team. So six and three, uh, six and three season. It ends with four straight wins. Um, the final three being 40 to 14 over us 22, 16 over WRA and 36 to 14 over Gilmore. So nice to, roll out the final three victories of the season against similar independent schools like ourselves. Um, and what it does is, you know, going into that off season leading into your senior year of 1990, it gives you, it gives you a different sense of optimism going into it. You know, if you kind of limp your way into the off season, then uh, that's kind of weighing over you, but you guys putting those four together at the end, the three that I just spoke about, it makes you feel like, hey, we're losing some pieces, but we also have some pieces coming back here that 
1990 season uh, could be something that's uh, that's a little bit different here than my sophomore and junior campaign. Um, and in addition, your teammates select you as a captain, one of three going into that senior year, Dan Moskowitz and Mike Carrick being the other two. Uh, what was that like to be voted captain by your peers going into that senior campaign? It was my first taste of true leadership. Um, other than, you know, freshman football. Um, it meant that what I had done the three years before, not just on the football field, but just being around those guys for three straight years now, getting them to know who I truly was inside and out as a person, it meant that it meant I was respected. And um, it was my first taste to say, all right, this is your program. This is your, this is you. You know, you got to do what you got to do to once again lead by example and show the younger guys what it's all about. And it was my first taste at it. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a true honor. So, if you were the um, lead by example guy, what type of leaders were Mike and Dan? They were the mouthy ones, but you know, hey, they the big boys. They they the linebackers. You know, the linemen. They you know got to. They got to, hey, they got to create ruckus. So they had to do it how they had to do it. And, and I shut up and listened to them when they did what they had to do. So Mike was uh, fullback and one of the inside, linebacker. Li inside linebacker pieces. So just uh, being vocal is definitely natural for him uh, in, those, uh, in those two roles in that position. So it's and, good to and, have a little variety in your leadership model, uh, right? I'm, I'm in the back. I'm listening. Squits. He's gonna give us. He's gonna get us riled up first, and then, and then Carrick. He's gonna line you up right, and you know, and, and do his part. And then I'm just gonna go where I gotta be. <laughs> but it was a, it was a nice. Uh, we had a good group, man. Our dynamics were were good stuff, and then all the humor. So this this senior season goes nine and zero, and we'll talk about qualifying for the playoffs as we get to the end of. Uh, the schedule uh, review. Does it feel like going into the summer, like this is a postseason run waiting to happen, or does that uh, does that register during the year, or tried not to even think about it? That had to be during the year. Um, we knew what we wanted to do, but the summer was all about work. Um, you know, the summer. I remember going again, left the state to go to a football camp. And um, we just we were up there all the time, just working and running on the track, uh, running some drills, um, you know, lining, putting my chest up against the uh, the goalpost and having somebody fire the ball at me so I can work on just catching it with my hands. Um, Backpedal just, you know, and we were obviously influenced by the Browns. So we had our good Browns teams back then and and. Um, you know, I had the chance to work as an usher for the Browns game. So I was in the dog pound watching Webster Slaughter warm up, um, Metcalf and the boys. So I used to try to take some of that and put it in me, what I was doing down there watching two hours before the Browns would have a game. And um, having those opportunities to take those drills that I was seeing and bring them back to Hawking, it was just uh, it was a nice summer summer of 90 as we were going into that. But once we got a couple wins and we started rolling, 
yeah, our goal was to go down there to the state championship. We were, we were looking forward to that. We had come over, we, we had, we seen it when we were freshmen and then we had the low, the five and five. And then the first month of the next season, you know, what we, I don't know, two and two, two and three before we went on the run. So we had been building back up and now it was time, you know, it was now or never because this is our senior year. So we were all about it, all about it. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as you had mentioned, three seasons, three different quarterbacks, that probably makes you wonder like, hey, I mean, another new another new player going under center. And this time, instead of it's the senior's turn, now it's the junior's turn. And so Trip McCracken coming in and uh, and I'm sure if we went back to a lot of the local paper preseason predictions, it was, you know, uncertainty at the quarterback position for the Hawks, but anyone who was around those summer throwing sessions and who know trip know that this is a capable guy who just needs to get his feet wet. This uh, he's got the arm strength to make the plays. He is, he is sharp as attack and knows the offense. He'll learn it. And uh, trip was a lot of fun, man. Uh, trip was a worker. And yes. when it was time to stay after practice, we would, you know, work on throwing me fades to the back of the end zone or whatever I wanted to work on, Trip was willing. And whatever Trip felt like he needed to do, then just tell me what I need to do so you, we can get this extra work. It was all about extra work. I wasn't letting Trip get away from me without doing some extra work. So, and he put it in. He put it in. And so the extra work is what makes things become special. You know, if I just do what I'm sort of asked to do and don't do anything in addition, you know, my ceiling stays a little lower. Put in the work that you guys were putting in, all that extra work. It's about yourself. It's about each other. It's about us. And uh, we just raise that bar for our expectations of that year. It was, you know, I, and I give it up to him because he was a student. He was not brash. He was a listener. And he, you didn't have to tell him much, you know, more than once or twice. And if I, if I'm running, we're in practice running against air or after, after practice, we're running against air. If uh, I say, listen, Trip, don't even think about me. You see that orange pylon at the back. When you do your drop back on that fade, you're going to throw it right there and I'm going to go get it. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. And he did that. He, he stopped worrying about me and throwing the perfect pass to me and threw it to the spot he needed to throw to. And that's how we had some of that success. And so uh, how about the difference in personalities from mm -hmm. the quarterbacks your junior and senior year? I mean, two <laughs> polar opposite guys, right? Between Lenny yeah. and Tripp. Yeah. Um, Trip allowed me to be the vocal one. I had the chance to be vocal once because uh, Lenny was that dude, my, you know, the, the time before. You just, like I said, I just lined up and played with Lenny, you know. Spacek was a uh, running back linebacker early on and then got his time as a uh, senior in that 89 season to play quarterback, but he still played quarterback like a running back and linebacker. <laughs> Probably one of the two most physical quarterbacks we've ever had, no question about that. <laughs> phenomenal linebacker i mean the fact that a sophomore starting at linebacker on that 87 run is a testament to that yeah um his favorite player brian bosworth and then you have trip who 
maybe didn't register a defensive snap in his high school career and was just, he was the quarterback piece and they both did their jobs exceptionally well, but just funny to think about the differences and uh, presentation between those two. Again, you know, uh, spacing was space and trip allowed me to coach, you know, I, I played with space. Yeah. I coached with trip. There's not one formula for, like the way the way to do things. I mean, it can right. look a lot of different ways and just letting people be who they are. The common denominator was me. I just had to adjust <laughs> what was happening around, whether I was catching the ball from Lenny or trying to block for Lenny or or whatever I had to do, you know, to catch a ball from Trip, you know. But Trip allowed me to the expertise that I had gained over the last few years, I was able to put it into him. Yeah. And I, I could, I don't know, but I could hope that I would hope that it made him a better quarterback his senior year when I wasn't there. Um, you know, I would say that that's probably likely. The lessons he learned from me, hopefully he was able to share that with the other younger receivers that he had to ball with. So week one, we are over at Beachwood on a Saturday. And uh, this is a close contest that, Ends up being an eight to six win for us to start off one and oh. And uh man, th this game cracks me up because I think about our lone touchdown and it uh it it's it's a great connection here because you talked about working down at uh the stadium and the Browns of the eighties and Webster Slaughter. Well, you catch uh you catch the touchdown and you and Lacey sort of become slaughter and langhorn here after the touchdown and you go for that anyone who's a browns fan of the 80s knows what i'm talking about here where you guys go up for just high point in that high five and jumping and cocking that arm back and just lining up that high five and how good it looked when they did it and then you and lacy I don't know if you guys planned this like hey sometime this year we're doing it or if it was organic but you go for it and it's like, oh, back on the back on the ground, take two. And you tried it again. Oh, no, third time we're getting this. Third time you get it. And you do. You also get the yellow flag for the uh, <laughs> excessive celebration. So <laughs> my first question is, was it planned? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Was it planned? <laughs> Inquiring minds never want to know. <laughs> wow. You know, me and Chris were big fans of Reggie Langhorn and Webster Slaughter. That's all I got to say about that. Fair. So we score. And now we have a two-point conversion attempt from about the 18-yard line. 18-yard <laughs> line. <laughs> and we get it. And we get it. So pretty cool. Celebration well-deserved. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where when the game is over and we have eight and they have six, you can uh, look back on it and get a good you, chuckle out of it. Do you know what the two-point conversion was? Was it like a fade or? Uh, yeah, I think it was a fade. I think it was a fade, yeah. yeah. And I remember it was like one of the better celebrated two-point conversions because here you are getting marched back 15 yards and it's like this is this is a low percentage play right here yeah 
Yeah. yeah. So, so anytime you can start that season off one and oh, um, especially when the previous season, um, we actually started off the season losing to Beachwood by two. So now we come back and we uh, beat them eight, six, see, uh, week two coming back home independence, a game in which we get the W 22 to two. Um, so we are now two and O going into that week three contest against Medina Buckeye. Um, independence might've been one of my better games that year. I think, I think I might've had, two interceptions that day too that is uh very likely i think when we talk about your your specific individual performance that sticks out to me i'm going to wait until we get to just past the midpoint season and start talking about that akron coventry game so that buckeye game week three buckeye was a tough opponent that you know it wasn't easy but from a scoreboard standpoint, we looked like we controlled them every year, sort of leading up. Um, but this is a game that we win 18 to 14. And this is a team that was physical, good running team, good defense. And uh, we get the close victory for a 3-0 and start to the season. Yeah, that was a big test. That was a big test because we, you know, we wanted to see how if we could be as physical. Yeah, so that was a big test. Week four, Lorraine Catholic. Uh, Lorraine Catholic, I remember, had two kids on their team that were getting uh, some pretty good um, sort of stories written about them going into that year. Uh, we had beaten them by 10 your junior year. And so this senior year, we beat them by way of 20 to 7. So I imagine this is kind of that midpoint of the year where you and your teammates start to think, Hey, let's let's stay on this track, and I think uh, I think we'll be we'll be happy with how things work their way out towards the end of the year. Week five, Warrensville Heights, twenty-two to six. I feel like this was a Thursday afternoon game at home. Um, yeah, it was. I remember seeing a really cool picture of you on the front of the Plain Dealer Sports page where you had just gotten an interception or something, and you were sort of working your way back down the field, the other direction. Um, these are, uh, these are games where we're, we're sitting in the teens in the low twenties and, you know, normally you're thinking, I wish the offense was scoring more, but the defense on the back end, you know, you guys weren't going to allow many pass options. And then those guys up front, Dan Moskowitz, Brian Weiss, Ian Osborne, and the linebacking crew are, are doing their job, uh, not just stopping the run, but putting some some heat and some pressure on the quarterbacks. So um, it wasn't until that following week when we have Akron Coventry on the schedule that we go over 23 points for the first time. And uh, I had mentioned this is a game that I was going to spotlight an individual performance for you. We win by way of 38-14. You had 152 yards receiving three touchdown receptions, and then three interceptions on defense. That's a pretty awesome game, Tony. What do you remember about that? I remember being all over the place. That That's the one game that I do recall um, specifically. Um, I think I even – I think they when they scored a touchdown, uh, I think they uh, threw a kind of a slant to somebody. 
And even though he scored, I hit him real hard. So I was hitting people that game, um, catching interceptions, um, running all over the field on offense. I do remember that. And that was a that was a night game, right? Was that a Yeah, Friday that was night? at their place, yeah. That was a night game at their place. Um, yeah. I mean, you take either side of the ball, and that's a good night. 152 yards receiving and three touchdowns. That's a pretty darn good night or three interceptions. That's a pretty darn good night. But you put those two together and that uh, that was a special evening. And I just, I remember sort of that, that center field mentality you had of uh, seeing things develop in front of you and being able to break on the ball and the quarterback thinking that they could fit it in. And uh, by the time that ball got there, you were already there. And, and I, you know, attribute that to just the drills that I used to run, the backpedal drills, the, you know, just the, all that stuff that I learned from the older guys. And then, of course, those uh, camps at college that I went to uh, in the summers, just making sure that I lined up in the proper spot, the proper alignment of my, uh, my backpedal, you know, just getting low and, and baiting. Yeah, that right? change of direction uh, without having to waste any, any motion, right? I mean, you see these guys backpedal and they're too upright. So when they diagnose what's happening, they have to drop their hips first before they change the direction. Well, your hips are already down. You're you're not wasting that extra one or two movements. I had to be fundamentally correct. And that's what it was all about. It was all about the fundamentals for me. And that was that was a big, big part of it. And I actually took pride in that because I, I thought a lot of people didn't know what I knew. Um, not just on our team, not just out in the community, right? Uh, that just you know the other teams. Period. The coaching that I got and the drills that I went through going to these college campus, you know, these uh, week long football camps where there's kids from all over the country, and then the drills, the drills that you go through two, three hours a day. It was I took that to heart, and I took it and brought it back to Hawk, and I said, I'm going to be good. I'm going to go do this the right way. And that was a great game. I remember that. That was a, that was a lot of fun that night. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure. I'm sure there were some good tangs going home on that bus from Akron. And you took the words right out of my mouth. I remember <laughs> that rip, leaving. The, we didn't even get out the driveway. We was already down to the river. So I, <laughs> it is. It is funny how there's some away games where you just can't wait to get the first <laughs> one rolling. And usually it was a, it was a captain. Sometimes it was a senior non-captain, but. You know, that first one that you want and that closing line of the tang was always who you just beat, right? Yeah. And ideally you wait until the bus just starts up, but you don't wait until you're out of their parking lot because you want those windows down and you want anyone within earshot to hear that ruckus. Oh, and we made sure they heard us after that game. We made sure they heard us down in Akron. <laughs> so we're we're six and zero oh at this point, and uh week uh seven comes up and it is our rivalry game against us and this is a game in which we win 12-0 we start a string of three straight shutouts here to end the season but anytime you can beat the preppers that's awesome anytime you can shut them out man that's that's real special yeah that was um, a great way to end the season and I recall, I'm not not in the season, but uh, in the games against those guys. Yeah. Um, and I recall, if if I'm not mistaken, their head coach in the paper the next day or that weekend, whatever, um, 
we may have lost, but we took it all away from Twyman or something. <laughs> okay. I didn't score. I didn't score that game, but they, they kept, you know, they kept me out of it. And, and I'm like, wow, they really made a concerted effort to take me out of the game that day, you know? So I, I didn't score any touchdowns against us, but, uh, to the point where it didn't hurt to lose. Apparently it was just about slowing you down. Yeah. And, that's and that's interesting. Something. I remember that. Uh, muddy field and, uh, man, I don't have, I don't have the box score in front of me, but I feel like Dave Som scored a really big touchdown. I don't know if it was the first one. I'm thinking it was the second one, but 12 zero gotcha. shutout of the preppers. That's uh that's pretty awesome. So yeah. we yeah. go into, we go into that second last game of the year. Uh, we don't have WRA on the schedule, but we replace them with another independent school by way of Pittsburgh Shady Side, and they come to our place, and we beat them twenty to zero. Week ten, we finish up with Gilmore Academy, and we duplicate the previous week's outcome. We win twenty zero against Gilmore, and we are now sitting in the postseason talk. At nine and zero, I know we were a little bit worried that that minus a tenth ball game would we have enough computer points to sort of get to where we needed to be. Um, we didn't have to worry about that, and we qualify for the postseason after your junior and sophomore years missing out. And so, let's get back to the playoffs, and we draw a team by way of Warren JFK and our neutral site location is field high school um to be able to bookend your high school career with playoffs uh what did it mean to get back to it as a senior and not just have to sort of rely on the memories of that freshman year 87 run what a journey you know we got we we got that early taste in life we dipped we fought back and we got there but it took hard work every single year to finally for that to happen. We're back in the playoffs. And um, I was I was overjoyed. I was I was thinking we were in for another good run. And maybe about three, there's three moments in that game that if they were a bit different, we would have been moving on. I, I even had, um, I think I scored a touchdown, but I think I even had one called back because of a, because we were lined up illegal, illegal formation or something. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a slant that I think I had called back. I remember rolling around in the end zone, a little, 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 little upset sure. after I caught it and saw that flag and they brought us back. So uh, take that and maybe two other plays and we're beating Warren JFK and moving on and who knows what would have happened, but it was a nice, uh, it was a nice game. We played hard. We gave it our all. And um, what else can you do? They were tough, man. They were big up front. Their quarterback was bigger than probably all but two of our offensive linemen. Uh, and they, they had some and good ball carriers. That, yeah. We lost 34-24. You take my touchdown away, 34-30, yeah. 31. Right and, there. <clears throat> you know, we're, we were right there with them. We, we did not back down from that. We, we, I think our season allowed us to feel like we could play with anybody even if they were bigger than us. I think they put one in on us right before halftime too. That hurt us. Yeah, I, that, was, that was a heartbreaker. So that was probably one of those 
one or two plays other than that callback touchdown. Um, you know, that you, you, we, we let that not happen. And who knows what would have happened in that game, second half. So the season ends nine and one. Um, nine games on the regular season schedule, nine and oh, one of the few undefeated teams we've had in program history. And then uh, the 10 point loss in the first round of the postseason to Warren JFK. And that was the first installment of what turned into three against Warren JFK in the postseason. Um, so we had a nice little rivalry for three different seasons against them uh, in the postseason, yours being the first. How, how did we do after that? We went to it? So the following year was Trip's senior year, and we played Warren JFK at Field High School again. And that year we lost in the second round of the postseason, 27-0. Um, your guys, your guys year, Warren JFK went to, I believe the final four of the championship and lost the right. following year after you, they actually ran the table. They went and won the, the whole thing. Um, yeah. And then in 93, um, our team that went to the state semifinals, we had Warren uh, JFK again in the second round and we beat them 19 to six. Finally, that was my sophomore season. Right. So one and two against them. That 93 game was pretty, uh, pretty special, man. It really felt like, you know, for the, the coaching staff and the people that were around the program uh, for those previous two attempts against JFK, it was quite the, uh, the relief to sort of get a little payback against them in that uh, postseason game. Good. So senior season comes to an end and uh, the football high school career is uh is at a close what is that like to have that chapter of the shared experiences of your football brothers uh all the blood sweat and uh tears all the just awesome memories um how does that register like in that moment and then as we're talking about it years later well i remember after the Gilmore game, um, where the three of us, me, Squits, and and uh, Carrick, were celebrating with our hands in the air. You know, we did it. We went undefeated in regular season. We were uh, we were tight, and, and we were we were real tight, man. And after that loss, ooh, it was <laughs> it was like wow, no more no more gray pants for me. You know, it was. It was weird. It was very weird. And, it, and again, it felt early because I felt like we could have played another game or two after that, you know, so it, it just felt premature. Um, other than that, I don't really recall how I dealt with it. Um, you know, it was on the basketball yeah. on the track, you know, it was uh, keep it moving in life. But so go ahead. I was just going to say, so your 1990 senior season was the fifth season in program history to be undefeated in the regular season. So only five in that, uh, in that company of being a part of undefeated seasons. A lot of fun. And it, you know, it was uh, a joy, I guess it was around Thanksgiving where I had come back. I don't know if I came back that Friday or, or the following Monday and, um, might have been that day. I don't know. It might have been Thanksgiving Day. I don't recall. But what I do recall is people were saying congratulations. And I'm like, for what? 
<laughs> if you are not a part of it, you don't get it, man. You hear some weird things from people that are outside, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a tough, uh, you know, we didn't win it. You know, we didn't, we didn't make it to the big game. Now the one, you know, I did get the, uh, some of the awards start, you know, the, the postseason awards things start happening. So that was kind of cool. You know, the football banquets and things like that and getting the, first team all Ohio, you know, being all state as a defensive back, you know, you, you got some of that, but perfume. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. So that was a senior year where you had 39 catches for 579 yards, six touchdowns. Um, defensively though, 12 interceptions in 10 games. Uh, that is no doubt. Number one on our list of interceptions in a season 17 career puts you at number one no doubt those are going to be tough numbers to uh to overtake anytime soon um i even have in the stat book you had a senior season sack remember that i was gonna say misprint or tell me about it because i didn't know we were bringing free safety on uh, on blitzes with you i thought it was always about i think last line of defense no fly zone me and chris might have blitzed uh chris lacy we might have blitzed once or twice each uh coming up do we call it a crash crash would have been the corner blitz and then usually safety blitz was like stinger or something along those lines yeah, I'm not ahead of sack. I don't. I wouldn't put hey. it again. I mean, I know me and Chris used to have fun in practice, going coming up to the line and trying to do that, where he would run and I would go out there and cover his guy and back and forth all that. So that that, that might not be uh, too far fetched that I had a sack. I thought I had 45 grabs that year, so maybe the six grabs in the playoff game. Maybe I had five or six in the playoff game that made me hit the 45. I'm not Possible, sure, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'll I'll take a sack if you find me one. Yeah, well, we found you one. Hey, talk talk about Chris Lacey, the player. Dude was smooth as silk. Right? He was smooth. It didn't matter if the ball was in his left hand or his right hand when he was running that uh, jab, sweep, jab, jab sweep for him, man. Boy, he was smooth. And then his, and then you know what? He was a one-cut guy, too. Mm-hmm. He, he found one, and it was a one-cut, and then it was straight up. That dude was quick, man. And uh, And then defensively... Um, good cover skills, use that athleticism, but he'll come up and he'll, he'll put a hit on you. He'll stick his yeah, helmet he, on you. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll pick them off. He'll hit you. You know, we used to communicate a lot back there and I used to like being back on punt returns with him too. I was, I think I, I might've been the, the, uh, put me up a little close. Yeah. And then he was back a little bit farther. We kind of had that little stagger thing going on. I used to like, I used to love being back on punt returns with Chris too. We had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, so we had a nice little stretch of uh, slot backs running that sweep around the edge. I mean, you think about Marcus running it. Malcolm T. Malcolm Pye, I should Malcolm say. Malcolm Pye. DeMond, you know, DeMond would get him. Yeah, uh, Chris Lacey. I mean, just a lot of talented ball carriers coming around the corner there with yeah. uh, on that play. So 12 interceptions in a season. What was it like to play free safety and be that that last line of defense back there and just to be able to – see what's in front of you. You know, you mentioned 
that you got a lot of good instruction and you went to camps over at some colleges and you learned some good things, some good techniques. You had good examples in front of you in the program. What was it like to be that free safety for us back there? It was a responsibility. It was a joy. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was pride. It was like, you ain't getting past me. You're not getting, you're not getting behind me. You know, it was, that was my number one thing. Nobody's getting behind. I was what, 12 yards off the line. I don't think I was more than 10. I mean, you weren't like Jabril Peppers, you know, 24, 20. 24, 26 back. Cause that would have been like a, that would have been punt return or punt yeah, safe, have, but, yeah, just, <laughs> but yeah, probably in that, you know, 10 to 14 range, depending on down and distance. Right. Yeah. I, I just made sure I looked left, look right. See who was, who was going to be coming deep. That was my first thing is to not let anybody go deep. And then from there, what can I read underneath? Um, Run support, you know. I was hoping Dave Psalm did his job, you know. <laughs> hey, man, that's like your third line of uh, responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I felt like, hey, as long as Dave do what he's supposed to do, and Mike Carrick do what they're supposed to do, I'll do what I got to do back here. We'll be all good. I just, I mean, you know, the front, the uh, our our interior linemen, you know, they cut off the run, and you know, they had to do some jump throws against us. Man, we gonna we gonna stop all that and. I think part of it was just in the first half of games, frustrating an offensive uh, coach over on the other side, man, we're trying this, we're trying that. And they're taking all our, you know, with the chess we were playing and grabbing interceptions or not letting their uh, trick plays get off on us. I think we frustrated a lot of teams in the first half of games, but I, I just, you know, long as we were, um, as long as we had a lead, I felt we were safe because I, I wouldn't let nothing, I wouldn't let nothing happen behind me. And I had a goal. I remember coming into this season, I had a goal of uh, maybe like 10 picks or something like that. I think I revised it, changed it to like 13 or 15. I, I, I shot my numbers up because half the season, I was like, man, I'm getting a lot of interceptions back here. And that I mean, was look, Listen, 10 is ambitious in a nine-game schedule. 10 is ambitious. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted a pick a game. And, and it was more important for me than scoring touchdowns. I mean, obviously, I love scoring touchdowns. But I wanted, I took a big sense of pride in, um, in getting a pick every game. Well, and in your case, one can lead to the other. You know, you, you get that interception. Now you're staying on the field as an offensive receiver. And you're like, all right, now it's my turn to be on the other side of the yeah. ball. And let's go finish in the other end zone. My legs are already warm. <laughs> Anything no. anything else about your time playing free safety that uh yeah that sort of um you want to talk about? You know, I I just I took pride in being versatile. So nothing other than it was, you know, I wanted to stay on the field. It was another way to stay on the field the whole game and and I just took pride in um in being a defensive back. I like truly took pride in being a true defensive back on those moments. And then when it was time to play offense, I took great pride in being a really good receiver. I took myself and put myself into a, a Webster slaughter mentality when it came to running as a split in. But when I was back there as a DB, I was focused on being a defensive back. I really isolated, uh, uh, you know, zeroed in on that. And you were such a smooth strider as a, uh, offense and defensive player you know there's some guys who run and it looks violent and that's not the case and that's probably where your track background comes from you don't look like you're 
you're pressing when you run, um, just nice and smooth gliding. Um, you don't get an appreciation maybe for how fast you are in a specific play until you see that no one's catching you, you know, that you're, you are running away from them and they're not closing the gap. So, um, want to get that in. You were an, an accomplished track athlete as well. I took great pride in being that. I took great pride in being an athlete, man. Whatever, you got to. Why do it if you're not going moment, to, right? Exactly. Whatever the moment called for, I needed to be that. If I was going to be running some 800-meter sprint, or well, I'll call it a sprint now because you know, maybe I can you know, fudge my time a little bit. But no, I, you know, 800-meter run, um, then you got to get around that track twice. So you had to have the mentality of how am I going to keep digging around that track twice, you know. And when it was time to run uh, some routes, or if it was time to backpedal, I got to be the best at that, at that very moment. 800 was your best event, right? Yeah. 800, I would call my best. 400s, I was good at it, but 800 was, it was, it, I don't know. There was something about me just being able to start and not worry about it and just keep running. I mean, it was, it took me to a different world when I would just run for two laps. You know, I, I was, I was in a zone. What was your best time that you remember running that? 158. Dang. I ran 204 as a freshman. And I got it down to 158. Um, that's scooting. I think it was. Yeah, that's scooting. Yes, I got. I, I was. I, yeah, that was. Uh, those were fun times. But I did break that two minute. So when we talk about that football conditioning test in uh, the summer, and we ran that 800 to just make sure that guys were staying disciplined with the running program, that 800 was never an issue for you, man. You you were like one of the few that was pressing and stressing as you. Uh, got up on that line. They call red group out. You got out there and let's just do this, man. James Hardiman used to call me. He would say, Twyme is just one big lung. <laughs> like, hey man, this is my thing. You ready for some uh, two minute drill? Sure. Fire away. All right. Any significance to your jersey number? Seven. Um, not that I recall. Was I, I know I wanted a single digit. Um, I don't know if it was because Joey Galloway was at Ohio State. I can't. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, seven. Lucky number seven. Sure. Favorite route to run as a wide receiver. All of them, man. I love the streak. I love the anything love that's sl- thrown your way, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the slant, though. The slant was just, you know, I, let me see you stop me from, you know, getting off the line of scrimmage. So that was a big challenge. I did love the slant. Favorite college or professional team? I'm a big brownie, and uh, I love watching the Dolphins. I've been living on the shores of South Florida for the last uh, June second. Will make 25 years. I've been wow. here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my personal ties to the Dolphins and being here in this community, I've been a big Dolphin fan. Obviously, I was a big Marino fan in the 80s anyway, right? Uh, except for when he beat the Browns in that playoff game against Bernie. <laughs> so anytime the Dolphins or Browns are uh, – I root for the Dolphins and Browns every single week. And, of course, I'm a big Penn State fan, which is where I spent my uh, college days. Do you have a favorite sports movie? Interestingly enough, I don't know if I have a favorite. I do love watching um, every so often I get on some major league for a minute, but I just for the first time watched uh, Draft Day. That was a lot of fun watching that that movie, man. That was uh, that's something I'll definitely have to watch again. But sports movies, I love them all.
Sure. What was your favorite tradition in high school? The fudge. What was the best part about fudge? Eating it. I, or making fun of whoever's girlfriend was making it. <laughs> yeah, whoever's girlfriend made the fudge, man. You, you, you know, we had to had to pick on them. And then, of course, you know, I, you just made me think back when we were uh, we used to give nicknames to the to the underclassmen during the training camp portion of practice. <laughs> Those are a lot of fun. We make we roll call, make the guys come up and say their nickname that we gave them all. Oh man, that was a lot of fun. So that is our two-minute drill. Um, back to the tradition of tangs, postseason orangutans. Um, were you? Uh, who do you think in your senior class gave uh, would call out the most tangs on a bus ride home? Man, I, I, we were it had to be Moskowitz. Moskowitz was getting a bunch. Yeah, it had to be. Um, did you give one as a, uh, did you call one out as a sophomore or junior on a, on the bus ride? Well, I can tell you this. Or did you wait till senior? I, I'm sure I might've gotten one or two in as a sophomore, but as I, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story as a freshman. Um, and this probably, as I look back on it, this probably is a little sign of respect that I was balling a little bit. Marcus T dogged me out in the orangutan on a, on a, on a bus as a freshman, I won't go in. I know exactly what he said. But I won't go into it, but <laughs> I remember those that were there. No, <laughs> is that one of those? <laughs> I remember yelling out after he said what he said. I was kind of in shock. I remember yelling out, "That's not true!" <laughs> Everybody started cracking up. I had to defend myself. But yeah, Marcus dogged me out as a freshman on a on a tank. But um, those were those were just so much fun. I mean that whether we had a 40 minute bus ride back home or we just, uh, we gave it our all. We gave it our all, you know, that was, uh, that was part of the, that was part of the game. I mean, that was literally part of the game. We got to win so we can do the tangs on the way home. Yeah. Right. Um, Tony talk yes, for, talk for a minute or two about, uh, that experience of when you graduate, you go to Penn state and, uh, walking on the, on the football program there. Well, I, you know, those football camps I did in high school um, gave me the confidence. And um, I remember, I recall the coaches, the position coaches up there, both offense and defense, you know, DBs and receivers were giving me some special attention um, when I was running those drills. So I knew that I had some skills. I, I, I felt like, man, there's an opportunity for me even here, you know. And I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. I was kind of one of those late bloomers that's, you know, a lot of kids kind of knew I want to go to this school or that school, whether it's for academics or athletics. Um, it felt like a lot of people were already, I felt like I was, ah, what am I going to do? You know, I, 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 I wasn't so sure of what my path was. Right. That senior season, um, before senior season of being at that camp and having those guys really show genuine interest in me, I knew that's where I wanted to go to school at that point. So it was just time for me to come back to Cleveland and get that season rolling and, and do what I need to do, which I, you know, I, I put a cherry on it as best I could other than winning some playoff games. Um, but I knew I wanted to go there and whatever the path was going to be, I was going to force through it. And they gave me the opportunity by talking to me, letting me know what I had to do. And, and I made it happen. 
Was there some validation when you're at those summer camps and there's just like dozens upon dozens or, you know, close to hundreds of kids and just sort of finding your place and being like, all right, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holding my own and I'm, I'm turning heads here in these drills. You do um, take inventory nightly of what the day was like and who got the attention and what was said to you. And by the end of those weeks, it's like, I can play with these guys. I'm playing with these guys. I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> you know, it took confidence being instilled in me by others, by, you know, the, the validation. And then that worked on my mentality of just keep doing what you're doing because you got the talent. Now you got to have the discipline to, to carry it out. And, um, you know, I didn't go make millions playing the game, but I had a lot of fun. And I got a lot of stories over those years of, of you know, shoot. Got a Rose Bowl ring, got a Citrus Bowl ring. and Was the Rose Bowl the matchup against Oregon? Yes. Okay. 39 and 20. So. What was, uh, what was like one of the hardest things about being a walk-on player and what was maybe one of the more rewarding things about being it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was hard. <laughs> I, imag hard I imagine, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they called it bloody Tuesday for a reason. Uh, practice was tough. It was hard, but um, I wouldn't trade it. And I used to, you know, when I got out of school and I realized, all right, well, I didn't get to, you know, I wasn't the star of the team there, but now what um, am I regretting that? You know, I got this lovely degree. I got these great friends and I had this great, I, have, I made a lot of great memories. Um, should I have gone to a school where they ran the run and shoot? And I might've gotten some notice like at the Kansas state or UCF central Florida, um, you know, would it, but then I'm like, no, God put you where he put you for a reason. Um, you have, uh, you are Penn state now. And that's what it is. You know, I got that degree and I walked that stage and my mother and my grandmother and my young cousin, Alicia, came from Cleveland to come watch me walk across that stage. And that is what it was all about. That's fantastic. Tony, what are you up to these days down there in Florida? Well, um, I took, um, you know, I've, I started my career in sales down here in the fitness industry, uh, working with a lot of football coaches selling, you know, putting together weight rooms for all the athletes down here in Florida. So that kept me around the game. And of course, you know, wellness, nutrition, you know, my life just became all about that. It was like, wow, I'm getting paid to put together weight rooms for a living. You know, it was, it was like, wow, uh, God is good. So my life has been around fitness, wellness. I'm certified as a health coach. Uh, before the pandemic, I was putting on wellness events on cruise ships, which will pick back up someday. Um, one of the cool things I did last year, you know, again, I live on, I live on the shores of South Florida. I walked during the pandemic 1,500 miles last year. Whoa. So literally on the last day of the year, December 31st, I hit 1,500.1 miles. <laughs> so I made it. So I, I walked the pandemic out of me. Um, a lot of meditation. That's a lot of time to think about which, what you value in life. Um, which, you know, I basically came up with health is well, and we'll take it from there. And if I can 
convince other people to take care of themselves better. Um, that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to continue to motivate and whatever that motivation, whatever form that takes, I'm going to let God use me as a tool. And, um, from, from here, just doing a lot of health coaching. Um, we're working on some biosecurity for schools to help with uh, keeping them safe during future pandemics, hopefully. Uh, so I got some pretty cool things that I promote to the uh, school districts down here, uh, getting some, some news stories on that and just enjoying life. Um, it is, life is tough as, as it is. And the more we can smile, the better off we'll be. That's why you see the little yellow flowers behind me. You know, I try to keep some uh, happy joy, um, uh, essential oils flowing in here. Um, I just try to keep myself happy, man. And that's that's what it all boils down to. We gotta be happy, we gotta be healthy, and we gotta love one another, take care of one another. What a great message, Tony. Health is wealth. We gotta love one another. Um, great job. Thank you, sir. Tony, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Love having you take this trip down to the river with me, uh, hearing, hearing your memories about your football experience, 87 through 1990 season, um, to hear about the impact of, uh, the football experience and your time at Hawken, uh, how you, uh, have moved on from there down to the South Florida area after your time at Penn state and, uh, your, your love and your passion for wellness, not just your own, but for specifically others. And, uh, I, I just think that's great. And, uh, I am, uh, appreciative of you coming on and sharing that message with us. Um, fantastic player during your time, uh, wearing the wings, fantastic human being, um, appreciate knowing you and having you in my life and, uh, wish you all the best. And, uh, Tony, I thank you for coming on this trip. I'll leave you with a couple of things. I want to say congratulations to you and your family, everything y'all have accomplished. Uh, you can let your, uh, let your dad know that, uh, the, uh, painter of the blue shoe has gone on to be with the Lord this year. My grandfather, I remember the blue shoe. The blue shoe, the hatchback Honda Accord, yeah. Yep, you let him know that uh, he's a soldier in heaven now, but uh, that's a story I've never forgotten. And uh, congratulations to everything you're doing up there. And, you know, keep these things going, man. I think these memories that you're sharing with folks will motivate the younger folks. And then it'll just have us old guys uh, reminiscing about the good old days, you know, being able to chew some old fat. And, um, you know, I love it. I'm going to leave you with one more thing before you say what you got to say. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's from the book of Proverbs. Appreciate you sharing that verse with us. And uh, when we talk about fruits, we're talking about it in multiple, uh, in two different ways, but let's remember those blueberries. Let's eat them for the memory. And uh, non-GMO? Non-GMO. Tony, this was great, man. All the best. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right, you brother. Take good care. Thanks for spending time with us today. 
Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and spread the word. And until the next episode, like my dad always says, good night, Irene. <laughs>